And it is Wednesday, June the 15th. Thank you for tuning in. We are in the book of Psalms again, chapter number 11, Psalm 11. If you can take your Bible, pull that out and follow along with me. It has seven verses and Psalm 11 is a little bit different. Of course, the whole book of Psalms is a song book. If you have hymn books in your church, it's kind of like that. It's what the Jewish people had, what they would sing out of. But Psalm 11 is is a little bit different, even though it's a song, but it's, it's not a prayer. It is a response of David to those who were advising him to flee from Jerusalem to a place of safety. We don't know the exact circumstances, but we can see David's response, and this psalm reveals David's utter confidence in his God. Verse number one says, In the Lord put I my trust, how say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. David was dealing with threats. It could have been during the time of Absalom, the time of Ishbosheth, the time of Saul. We don't know, but he was dealing with threats, and his friends were telling him he needed to run. And either way, it's when some attempts were being made or uh, had been made on David's life, and those advising David, to them it looked like the appropriate, wise, safe thing to do was to spread his wings and fly away to safety as a bird to his mountain. Again, in verse 1 of Psalm 11, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Now, I'm going to tell you something you probably already know, but I just want to make sure. A little trick to reading your Bible is that if you see a capitalized word right there in the middle of the sentence and you don't think it should be capitalized, that is the beginning of a quotation. So the F in flee, it's capitalized. That means that those, uh, it's, it's what people are saying to David's soul. So those words are being said to David uh, by those people. And their quotation to David actually continues through, through verse two and three. You can just kind of tell from the context as you read it. So in the Lord put I my trust, David says, how say ye, he's speaking to those who are giving him this advice to my soul. And then capital F, this is what they're saying. Flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So this is all what they were saying to David. What they're saying is that the wicked in their mind, in their eyes, in their wise, you know, earthly wisdom, their, their counsel, their estimation, the wicked are about to win. The rebels have a clear shot and they're saying, David, you might as well quit. You might as well run for safety and lead perhaps an exile or whatever, but you, you got to go, man. There's no way you can win. And they say in verse three, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So they had a good reason for their opinion. They say the whole nation is going to fall. If they strike you down, we'll be without hope if we're without a king. And they said, what we advise, what is best for the nation is to run away. But David saw things differently. And he saw things differently because he wasn't looking up at the wicked bending their bow, making ready the arrow upon the string, he was looking past them and looking up at God. The psalm continues in verse 4. This is David's response. 
The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. And that's the end of the psalm. David is speaking to his well-meaning counselors, but counselors with little faith. And he was trying to tell them that he wasn't moving unless God moved him. I read recently about the September 11th, 2001 attacks when President Bush was rushed away from the White House and they advised him not to return. But he said, as soon as that plane is refueled, I'm going back because he wasn't making a decision out of fear. And David was fearless because God is faithful. Faith does more for you and me in our Christian lives than flight. Those who quit when it gets tough never get to see the faithfulness of God in leading them through the trial to greater blessing on the other side. When trials come, those who run away from the Lord, instead of trusting firm in the Lord, never learn the valuable lessons God wants to teach them about himself. Now, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future, and he has my absolute confidence. Now, how could David have such irrational faith? To the counselors who were maybe older than him, maybe more experienced than him, had more information and insight into the kingdom than him, they said, the best thing for you to do is just to quit and flee as a bird to your mountain. That's that's literally what they said. Flee as a bird to your mountain. But David had been here before when he was but a youth. The greatest physical enemy he could ever face stared him down and declared that he would brutally murder him. Of course, we're talking about Goliath. Nobody would stand up to Goliath. But David didn't run because while Goliath was big, David's God was bigger. And why had David been confident in his God when he fought Goliath? Well, because he had slain a lion and a bear in the wilderness before that. Remember that when Saul was asking David, when David and Saul were just getting to know each other, he said, how, how do you think that you can rise up against Goliath? Because David said, well, God's been faithful before. I've, uh, thy servant has slain the bear and the lion and, and God will help me here. And after you go through some battles steadfastly on the Lord's side, you realize that God is bigger than any lion Bigger than any bear, bigger than any giant, bigger than any king, bigger than any mob, bigger than any enemy, bigger than anything at all. Standing instead of folding, standing instead of compromising proves God to you. Your faith grows as you trust God in each new circumstance. I think of James chapter number one as Pastor James, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church at Jerusalem had his flock scattered abroad because of persecution. And he writes, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In verse number 12 of James 1, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. 
For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You and I pray so often for God just to remove any trial, for God just to remove any hindrance to our comfort, our success, our happiness. But success is found in obedience to God only. And the will of God is very often to put us through some kind of trial because the ultimate will of God is for him to receive glory. He receives that through his son, Jesus Christ. He receives that from us through obedience to the word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he receives glory in us when we are conformed to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order for that to happen, he has to put us through trials And that's why Pastor James says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations or trials, knowing this, that you're becoming more like Jesus. So let it happen. Submit to it. Now, trusting God is easy when you're in the majority, when the refrigerator is full and the family is healthy, but your family, or excuse me, your faith doesn't grow in those circumstances. You remain faithful. And as your faith grows, you'll discover there is no sudden change of circumstances that could possibly shake your trust in him because God doesn't change and he never will. He is always faithful. He is always just. He is always righteous. His eyes are always steadfastly upon you. Verse number five, uh, excuse me, verse number four, Psalm 11, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Right now, God's looking right at you. Think of that. Selah. God's looking at you right now. He holds his children firmly in his grip forever. Now, that's not to say that sometimes things don't change. Sometimes God does lead someone to another place. Sometimes God uses circumstances to lead us. Sometimes God even used a wicked king in the Bible to accomplish the will of God unknowingly. Sometimes we separate even from other believers when they're disobeying the word of God and their lifestyle. Second Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. So I understand that there are times when you move. So I'm not against change at all. But when you change, never do it out of expedience, out of fear, out of compromise. Anytime you move, you do it because God is moving you. So David is standing here. David's having everybody say, flee as a bird to your mountain. But David said, no. David looked past all of that and looked right at God on his throne. There is safety in steadfastness. Today, as you see the wicked pulling back their bow and it seems like you're outnumbered while you try to live for God, you can rejoice. Look past it all and see shining, strong, righteous upon his throne, the Lord God, who is in control, and you stand fast in the Lord.